We'll hear argument next in number 92-2038, Asgro Seed Company versus uh, Denny Winterboer et al. Mr. Stanley, where is, where is counsel? Uh, you may proceed, Mr. Stanley. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. May it please the Court. This case is here from the United States Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. The dominant issue in this case is how much of a farmer's crop in a protected novel plant variety can be sold as seed under the terms of Section 2543 of Title VII in the Plant Variety Protection Act. That act provides exclusive rights to breeders of sexually reproduced plants. Section 2543 provides specific and limited exemptions from the acts of infringement that are set forth in Section 2541 of the same title. The texts of Sections 2541 and 2543 can be found at adjoining pages 40A and 41A of the petitioner's appendix in ASGRO's petition for certiorari. I will use these pages as a reference as needed during my argument. Will you repeat the page's number again? Yes, it's 40A and 41A of the uh, petition for certiorari. Thank you. They're also at pages 1A and, 1 and 2A of the uh, merits brief, but they're not on facing pages. Uh, in construing Section 2543, the Federal Circuit held that qualified farmers could sell up to 50 percent of their crop to others for use in reproductive purposes, in other words, to use it as seed. Because the language of Section 2543 does not support that interpretation, that decision must be reversed. However, proper uh, in, uh, what the Can I ask a preliminary question? In 2543, the right to save seed crop exemption section, there is a uh, provided part of the sentence. It says provided, and then there's, there's uh, a sentence following that. Do I understand that Congress has now amended the statute and taken that proviso out? Right. On October 6th, Congress amended the first sentence of 2543 and uh, removed everything after the word, the house word provided through the end of the sentence, and such that the uh, first sentence now ends after it's provided in this section. And that takes effect, not retroactively, but sometime in the future. Right. It's a prospective amendment. It, it applies to those certificates that are applied for uh, on the effective date of the Act, which is 180 days after the day it was passed. So, the so this case is not moot. No, this, this case is not moot. To both but if it were to come before us under the new statute, uh, it would govern, I suppose. I mean, there wouldn't be this exception, this proviso. Yeah, under the new statute, there is, is no right to sell save seed at all. Uh, by somebody who produces it. It completely eliminates the so-called brown bag exemption. 
Uh, it eliminates the, the right to sell such saved seed under the statute. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, thank you. Probably does, does it continue to read or for sale as provided in this section, or do they take out that, too? No, they didn't. They, they put the period right at the end of the uh, <laughs> section. Uh, Who do you suppose drafted this, this statute? Do we know to whom we owe this uh, debt of gratitude for perfect uh, language? I think maybe he intentionally remained nameless. But, uh, Basically, the, the job I have today is to... Uh, Before you get into that, just one more question about the amendment. Is it not true that the two remaining sentences that after the proviso has been deleted did allow some sales of seed so that, that there still is some room for the sale as provided? Right. The second sentence allows uh, uh, the sale of, of the protected variety to be used for non-reproductive purposes. Uh, there's, there's a distinction basically between, which isn't uh, always uh, consistent in the statute, between basically using a variety as a crop and as a seed. A seed is what is planted, used uh, to reproduce the variety. When a, when a soybean, the, the variety issue in this case, is, is sold uh, for crop, it's sold to a, a meal maker or somebody to be used for uh, consumption purposes. Uh, it goes cro- into cereal or bean bags or something like that. Right. The, the classic example we've been using is tofu. <laughs> But uh, it, that's, that's the use of it as a crop. The, the saving seed aspect is when you use the soybean for purposes of replanting it uh, on the farm. In the case of soybeans, uh, the actual soybean is the same, whether it's sent to the meal maker or to, the, uh, to, the, you know, to be used for planting. Other varieties under the Act, which this Act obviously applies to, the distinction of saving seed is an intentional act. For purposes of that in vegetables, uh, for something like celery or tomatoes, the plant has to be allowed to go to seed. At that point, the, the crop aspect, the tomato or the celery stalk, no longer is, is, is marketable for, con- for consumer reasons. And In other words, the saving of seed is an intentional act because you had to let the seeds develop to the point where they could be replanted. But you can see that he can save the seeds. Right. Uh, by for some purposes. Right. That, well, uh, for any purpose. Can't, doesn't the, don't you concede that a farmer can set aside all the seed he has? and decide later what he wants to do with it. He saves seed because he isn't sure how many acres he wants to plant next year in soybeans and how much he might need would depend on that. Or he might think the price was going to go up, and if he saved the soybeans, he'd get more later. I suppose there are a lot of reasons for saving seeds. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for saving soybeans. Reason for saving seed, there, there's, by itself, the saving of seed is not an act of infringement. The act of infringement arises when a farmer saves seed and sells seed and sells seed above the amount that Congress set forth in the statute that was the quantity that he could the save. The statute doesn't come into play until the sale is made. And right. And you have to look at the purpose. Right. It's, 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 uh, looking at the purpose at the time of planning is not sufficient. You have to look at the, the farmer's uh, purpose at the time of, of selling, when the decision is made. Time of sale. Right. And the Federal Circuit, in deciding this case, placed a lot of uh, emphasis on the word marketing, didn't it? In, in the exception, three, is it? In 2541? Right. Uh, the Federal Circuit... Uh, Define the term marketing uh, very narrowly and construed marketing as being uh, selling, but only selling that involved advertising, a sales representative, or concentrated marketing aspects. And, and do you say the term marketing necessarily includes selling? 
Yes. That it's marketing should be the broader term. Yes, marketing, marketing at a minimum includes selling. It, it is included, includes selling, but is not limited to selling. If we agree with you on that, do we have to reverse? I mean, is that what it turns on? Uh, if you agree on, with that, that that affects the amount of, of seed that can be saved. The, the, the term of question here is how much, save, how much seed can be saved and sold under the statute. May, may I interrupt you there? Uh, I'm not sure how you get the amount from that, because if, the, uh, if there was no violation of, of uh, 2541.3, uh, so that the, the farmer did not sexually multiply the novel variety as a step in marketing, including as a step towards selling. Um, then, theoretically, his, his whole crop, I suppose, uh, is, uh, is subject to sale, is it not? Now, we might very well say, if, or a jury might very well say, if he sold the whole crop, well, we know perfectly well he must have planted with that intent. He must have sexually multiplied with that intent, and they might find a violation. But in theory, uh, if he did not plant with the intent specified in, in uh, 2541.3, in theory, his entire crop might be subject to sale without violation. Isn't that so? Uh, no, Your Honor, that's not correct. Why not? Because the uh, most that uh, a farmer is going to, to use on his own farm is that that he would need to replant his farm. Uh, if he's saving seed, particularly where he saves seed in a manner that requires an intentional act. Sure, but he might, have, he might have planted a crop and decided at the end of the season that he's decided to get out of farming. So he doesn't, uh, and, and if the market, let's say, for seed is, is higher uh, than, than the market for, uh, for meal, uh, he, he might say, I'm going to get out of the business completely and I'm just going to sell all my seed to my neighbors. Uh, that wasn't my intent when I started out. Uh, but that's my intent now. They can raise the stuff. Where is that a violation? That is a violation because he is selling more than is allowed in the statute. If I can turn to the language of the statute, the key phrase in this is the, the phrase such save seed. The term such save seed appears at two places in the statute, one at line 7 before the proviso and one at line 13 after the proviso. And two points about such saved seed are important. One, it's a particular and definable quantity of seed. It is not any seed that is saved. It's not any mm -hmm. saved seed or any seed that's produced and saved. The second thing is it means the same thing both before the proviso and after the proviso, such that that term, such saved seed, has the same meaning at both places in the statute. The definition of what such saved seed means stems right from the opening clause of the statute. Uh, reading right at the beginning, it says, except to the extent that such action may constitute an infringement under subsections 3 and 4 of section 2541. Now, that opening clause does not mean the farmer is free to do whatever he wants except for violating 3 and 4. What it means is that the farmer can do that such action that is later described in that first sentence, provided that action does not violate 3 or 4. That action that's described in that sentence is the saving of seed produced by him and using such saved seed in the production of a crop. Now, if you read subsection 3, it's an act of infringement to sexually multiply the novel variety as a step in marketing the variety for growing purposes. Mm -hmm. So if you look at how that's incorporated into the, the beginning of section 2543, that means except to the extent that such action may constitute sexually multiplying the novel variety as a step in marketing, it shall not infringe any right for a person to save seed produced by him and use such saved seed in the production of a crop for use on his farm or for sale as provided. But you've left off the if, if saved seed in the production of a crop for use on his farm, and you left out the word, or for sale as provided in this section. 
Right. He That's can, critical also. Right. The, the such safe seed can be used in the production uh, or for sales provided. However, the such and safe seed — The question, seed, then, is what is provided in this section. Right, well, and also what is the amount of such safe seed. That is a defined quantity. And the first part, before you get to the proviso, is what defines the amount of such safe seed. And what defines it is the opening clause. You can, you can save seed produced on the farm and, and use it to produce a crop, but only to the extent that it was not sexually multiplied as a step in marketing. But why do you say it's only in the production of a crop? Because in the very next phrase, or for sale as provided in this section. It seems to me either purpose uh, describes a kind of such saved seed. Right. But if such saved seed is a definite amount, you can either use it in the production of a but crop or where do you get the sell. definite amount? The definite amount comes from the opening clause. Such well, saved because you're, you're reading the, you're reading the, the phrase to mean um, you shall not inf infringe any right to save seed uh, and use such saved seed uh, in the a in the production of a crop for use in his farm or b for sale. That's 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 your reading. Right. So that the for sale necessarily relates back to the saved seed, and if that implies quantity, then the amount that can be sold is subject to that quantity. That's your argument. Yes. The such save the word such comes is the, what defines the quantity. Well, and the it, quantity it, is is if I. I think you. I think you. you you place a lot of stress on the accept clause, except to the extent that such action may constitute an infringement under subsection 3. And if I understand your argument, it is that it is that provision which prevents a farmer from saving seed for reproductive — for, for uh, uh, crop production purposes other than his own crop. Well, isn't that right? Well, he's not going to — Without that accept, he'd be able to save as much seed as he wanted for crop uh, production purposes, for future seeding purposes. What prevents him from saving an infinite quantity for future seeding purposes is that if, if he set out with the intention of selling it to somebody else for seeding, as opposed to using it for seeding himself, he would be violating the accept clause. That is, he'd be violating subsection 3. He'd be multiplying the novel variety as a step in marketing. Yeah, well, basically, a farmer can save for his own use no more seed than he would need to plant his farm. Secondly, Am I right that on the facts of this case, there's no dispute that the, the crop was grown specifically for the purpose of marketing all of it to other farmers, excuse me, not marketing, selling it to other farmers. There was no pretense that this seed was going to be either used for replanting uh, uh, on the uh, the, the farmer's own farm, or was going to be sell, sold for non-reproductive use, that there was an admission that all of it was uh, sold to other, to other farmers. Right. All the, all the Asbro variety, protected variety seed that was produced by the winter boars, uh, minus the amount that was broken and not usable as seed, was sold to others. I think they saved a small amount for a test plot of an, of and it was sold to others for seed. For use of seed, for reproduction. And getting back to Justice Scalia's question, uh, or at least the section that he was focusing on, I don't understand why his uh, cultivation of that crop was not a violation of the Act under your theory because this was sexually multiplying the novel variety as a step in marketing. But you told Justice O'Connor that you have to wait to the sale before there's a violation. I don't understand No, no. At the time where uh, in, uh, uh, one of the questions pointed out that he may wait until the following season to decide what he wants to do with it, in that situation, you might have to wait until he decides to market it. At the point where uh, 
it's clear that he has a contract to, to sell all his production for seed or something. At that point, there is no uh, amount of seed that can be saved. However, the quantitative limitation in this case comes out of the fact that such saved seed is that which was sexually multiplied, but not as a step in marketing. And by, defin- or almost by common sense, the most that can be is the amount he would need to replant on his own farm. Why? Why, why, why couldn't he decide to say, you, you acknowledge that vegetable uh, farmers uh, save five years' worth, uh, typically? They, Why couldn't a soybean farmer decide, I'm going to use, you know, I'm going to save five years' worth. I'll not just plant the crop next year, I'll plant it the year. Are you placing stress on the word and use such safety in the production of a crop for use on his farm? You mean only one crop, only one year's worth? Yeah, the produ- production of a crop, for use such safety in the production of a crop shows uh, that that's one way the safety can be used. And I think that's the, that helps limit the amount that can be sold. Only, only one year's crop, you're saying? It can be sold. You can save. The vegetable farmer can save seed. The act of saving is not an infringement. The act of infringement only comes where it's sold. Uh, and the sexual multiplication that led to having that seed to sell is a step in marketing that seed. Now, I, I need to, to use now, a... You're saying that there is no limitation on saving. The limitation is on save plus sell. Saving by you itself. Can save without as many or, seeds either to plant himself or to sell for non-reproductive use. There's no limitation on saving for those two purposes. Yeah, saving, saving by itself without more, without uh, intent, the intent to market it or without a contract or without turning around and selling more. If I can use a hypothetical, uh, soybeans generally we've been using one acre or one, one bushel per acre for planting. Uh, the winter boars have an 800 acre farm. Uh, if they plant, they planted their 265 uh, acres and, and got 12,000 bushels of soybeans. Now, they only need 800 bushels to plant those 800 uh, acres on their farm. So the most seed that they can save to use on their farm is 800 bushels. What, 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 even, though, even though they have more acreage on that farm? They have 800 acres. That's the total acreage they have. They planted only 265 acres in our variety. We're so the most to, they can save is enough for 800? Is for 800, because there's, they can't plant anymore. They only need one bushel per acre. Therefore, Suppose they're thinking of buying the next farm. If they, buy, if, they, if they buy the next farm and at the time that they're saving the seed, at that point the saving is, is, is not a multiplication. But if that plan falls through and they don't have a farm, they can use uh, as much saved seed as they need on their farm, and their farm is still 800 acres. I mean, you have a situation where uh, you may end up with a factual question if they really had that intent, but it's our view that in, in the vegetable farmer situation, you can save 50 years' worth. Soybeans cannot be saved beyond one year. They're oil-based, and, and it's, it's not practical to save them. Vegetable, you can put them in the refrigerator, uh, save them for 50 years. But the most you're allowed to sell in any one year is what you would need to produce a crop on your farm. The vegetable farmers that appeared as an amicus before the Federal Circuit were not uh, — they were saving for their own use, but they were not selling. Without the act of selling, uh, the, the seed uh, certificate owner has, has no problem. Yeah, but if, if, if you go out of business uh, after after one year and you have four years' worth of seeds left, you're saying, tough luck, you can't do anything but eat it. Well, no, there would, there would be a question on whether or not the person who maybe bought your business would would, would uh, cede to your rights in that seed, which you um, can't. No, it, you, 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 sell you, you sold it to a developer. He's going to put up condos. All right. You, you, you couldn't sell them to the neighboring farm. Uh, you couldn't save more than would be needed for that, that uh, farm. That's the, the way that uh, our Four years' worth of seeds. You've got to 
you know, right. uh, what do you do with I mean, tomato seeds? Are they used? I mean, you know, you can always get the authorization of the owner, and there may be a, a situation where it can and can be explained there, or the, the owner, if it's of sufficient quality, may well buy it back from them. There are ways to handle that, but from the standpoint of how much seed can be sold, anything beyond what they need to produce on their farm, it assumes that the rational farmer is going to save no more seed than what he would need to replant his own farm, unless he was going to market it. Mr. Stanley, is, am I correct in assuming that the practical difference, in the, at least in the soybean business, and barring unforeseen contingencies between your position and your opponent is that you say he can only sell one forty-fifth of the seed he produces, and he says he can sell up to a half. Uh, that's right. That's what, uh, for, for soybeans, for the, for the in numbers involved in soybeans. Then the second question, if you do have a time to address it before you finish, is could you tell me to what extent you think the Court of Appeals, in its opinion, relied, and presumably erroneously, on the sentence after the proviso that Congress has now deleted? Uh, I don't think that the, the Federal Circuit relied on the second sentence uh, other than to come up with the, the uh, construction of proceeding purposes, which I think both parties are agreed modifies obtained by, uh, from the owner. I think what the Federal Circuit uh, uh, did, the Federal Circuit went wrong right at the beginning where they viewed the opening clause of the statute as being except uh, to the extent such action constitutes an infringement under subsections 3 and 4. The Federal Circuit uh, use that as an exemption, saying that three and four still apply to farmers and the rest don't. Uh, the, the key fact here is that such safe seed uh, is a defined quantity that means the same thing when it's sold under the proviso, and it can only be that seed that was sexually multiplied, but let not me, as a step in marketing. Let me ask you a question. If, suppose we thought the Federal Circuit got it right, except insofar as it defined marketing. How does that affect the outcome? Uh, the Federal Circuit's definition of, of marketing. That would mean uh, the farmer could uh, do what if we disagreed on the definition of marketing? The Federal Circuit's uh, treatment of the term marketing in itself is erroneous. You have to look at the two references to section. Would that affect the outcome in this case at the bottom line? It would affect the amount of seed that could be sold because the broader the definition of marketing to include all selling, uh, uh, if the if this Court concludes that selling includes all forms of selling. I think the, the answer comes up to, to being you can sell no more than what would be needed to replant your farm. Why, why, why if what Justice O'Connor supposes is correct, we disagree with them on marketing, why can't you win your case under 2541.3 that there was a sexual multiplication of the novel varieties, a step in marketing? End of the case. Uh, that, that's what uh, we, we have done here, but the question in this case is, they're claiming that they are under the exemption in 2543, and in order to determine the meaning of 2543, uh, the scope of it, that's, uh, they're claiming the exemption, but for the exemption yeah, But I'm 20 just asking you, suppose we think the, the CAFC was basically correct, except insofar as erroneously defining marketing. What's the, what's the bottom line outcome here, if that's our view? If, if marketing has a broader definition than what's at the Federal Circuit, the amount of, of seed that can be sold by a farmer is, is less than what the Federal Circuit held. However, the Federal Circuit's — But more than what you say. Uh, the reason I'm having difficulty answering that question is the Federal Circuit, by misconstruing the opening clause of the statute, their definition of marketing is basically out on its own because it doesn't follow the structure of the statute of the two references to 2541.3. Uh, therefore, uh, the Federal Circuit's interpretation in 
my view is so divorced from the language of the statute that that uh, question uh, you, doesn't I, solve you the problem. You really haven't answered my question. And if, if, if what we think is that the only error made below was in the definition of the term marketing, what do we do with this case? And how does it affect the outcome at the bottom line? I think that the answer uh, to that, I think that at a minimum the case should be remanded to the Federal Circuit to determine uh, that issue uh, and, and basically uh, let them uh, you know, resort out the issue under a proper interpretation of marketing. I believe that when marketing is giving its proper interpretation, that our position that you can sell no more than needed to replant a, a farm is, is appropriate. You, even given the uh, Circuit's opinion uh, and interpretation of the f- accept clause in the first few lines of the statute? I think the Federal Circuit's interpretation of the accept clause cannot stand any scrutiny at all, and I think that that's what, what caused I, the problem with their interpretation. Uh, if uh, marketing still applies under the Federal Circuit's guideline, uh, that it's a, a farmer is still subject to prohibitions against marketing, uh, I think the winter borers would be liable uh, in this particular case, but I think the structure of the statute would not be uh, solved for all the PVPA varieties. I can reserve the remaining uh, moments I have for rebuttal. Very well, Mr. Stanley. Uh, Mr. Steeman, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Uh, I would like to begin by addressing a question that arose uh, previously, which is whether if this Court disagrees with the Federal Circuit's interpretation of the term marketing, uh, what the proper disposition of the case should be. Uh, In that event, the, the case should be reversed, uh, because in, in that situation, it's quite clear if the Court rejects the very restrictive definition of interpreta- uh, interpretation of marketing that the Federal Circuit adopted, uh, respondent sales of soybeans constituted marketing under any reasonable interpretation of that term. Uh, the Federal Circuit's restrictive definition that would say that marketing only involves the use of middlemen and extensive advertising uh, and you, you, you disagree with that. You think at a minimum marketing is the, the larger term and it includes selling. That's correct. The, the way in which marketing differs from selling is that marketing includes uh, certain activities that lead up to the sale, uh, preparing the goods for sale in the market. Do That's you agree with the CAFC except insofar as it defines marketing, or do you think it made other errors? Our disagreement is not limited to that point, um, but we but I, I do want to emphasize that we think that the Federal Circuit was wrong on that point. Um, and, and in this case, partic- it's particularly clear uh, that what respondents did violated subsection 3 of section 2541. They were able to sell over 10,000 bushels of soybeans in a single crop May season. May I interrupt you, Mr. Seaman, to help me with one point? If one, and I think this way the Federal Circuit it construes the word marketing, to embrace all kinds of commercial distribution other than brown bag sales to other farmers. If that were a correct reading of the word marketing, then the Court was right, wasn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's right because the Federal Circuit did make other errors. They made other errors in the modification, but, but their result would be correct if one read it that way. And I know you disagree with that reading, and it is kind of counterintuitive, but, but if you do construe marketing as to cover the universe other than brown bag sales, then I think the judgment should be affirmed. I believe that's correct, um, but I'd want to uh, yeah, think more, and I'll try to do that in the course of um, addressing the other errors that the Federal Circuit made. Um, one of the other errors that, that we believe that the Federal Circuit made 
is, is in its reading of the language that comes immediately before the word provided. And I will also uh, refer to the copy of the statute that's reproduced at pages 40A and 41A of the petition for a writ of certiorari. Uh, we believe that the phrase for sale as provided in this section <coughs> modifies the word crop so that what it allows is a use of the crop for sale. What are you reading now? I am reading uh, the, the language of Section 2543 on page 41A that immediately precedes the italicized word proviso, provided. As we read the term for sale as provided in this section, it modifies the noun crop. It specifies one of the uses to which the crop can be put. For that reason, under the language preceding the proviso, there is only one use of saved seed, and that is its use in the production of a crop. The crop may then be used in two different ways. It may be used on the farm, or it may be sold as provided in the balance of the section. And we understand, and, and for that reason, we believe that such saved seed refers only to such seed as is saved for the purpose of producing a crop. On his farm. On the farm. What, what if he saves uh, enough seed for five years' worth of crops? We would rely in that case on, on the term a crop to suggest that what, one what can be sold is, is one season's worth of crop. Now, we recognize... Do you, do you agree that this is an academic question because the, the seeds don't last for more than a year? I think, Justice Ginsburg, it depends on, on the variety that you're speaking about. Uh, it, it may well be that soybeans have a, a limited useful life, but other crops... Unlike vegetables, which you can keep for five years in some cases? That's my understanding. That's correct. But in any event, uh, it is correct that a, a farmer can save any amount of seed that he or she wants. The rights of the owner uh, are only implicated when the saved seed is used in some way. And there are a couple of different kinds of uses that may violate the owner's rights. One use is in the production of a crop uh, as a step in marketing the crop for sale as seed. Uh, in this case, respondents clearly marketed, uh, used their seed to produce seed for the purpose of selling the resulting seed as seed. They never had any intention uh, of doing anything else with it. And in fact, all of the all of their uh, production was sold for use as seed. Well, they had they had violated it even before the sale, then, hadn't they? The production itself violated subsection three, <clears throat> and I would go on to say that even though the proviso specifies that it operates without regard to subsection three, all the proviso does is to authorize the sale. It doesn't speak to the question of whether the preceding uh, production of the crop uh, was a violation of the owner's rights. Very cleverly drafted, it really is, isn't it? <clears throat> I, I won't. I, I will concede the point. The uh, <laughs> the reason um, that uh, we believe the uh, the amount of seed uh, that may be sold under the proviso is limited uh, is essentially because it can be put only to one use in the production of a crop, uh, and is that amount the sale of which is permitted under the proviso. We think that the primary intent of the proviso was to allow a farmer who has held back uh, enough seed from one year's crop to plant the next year's crop to sell the seed if the farmer's planting plans change. The Federal Circuit's interpretation of the proviso uh, allows farmers to go beyond that narrow but still very practical purpose uh, and compete directly with the owners of the novel variety, and that clearly could not have been Congress's intent. What about the second point? Uh, nobody's even talked about that. Is that not in the case? There, there, there is a point on which you disagree with petitioners, and that is uh, um, 
Yes. Labeling. Labeling, right, right. Whether you have to give notice to the person to whom you sell. That's correct. Is that, is that in the case? Do we have to decide that? It, it is in the case. Uh, we suggested in our amicus submission that uh, the issue has not been completely briefed below, although it's properly before the Court. Uh, if the Court rules for the petitioner on the question of how much saved seed can be sold under the proviso, it wouldn't be necessary for the Court to reach the second issue, because the second issue only arises assuming that a sale is authorized under the proviso. If the Court holds these sales were not authorized, it doesn't come up. If when, when a sale is authorized under the proviso, the second question is whether notice has to be provided to the purchaser of the brown bag seed, uh, that the, uh, the, the seed is a protected uh, variety under the statute. We find that issue to be a difficult one, although on balance we do agree with respondents that notice isn't required. Uh, I would just... That notice is not required. That's correct. Uh, essentially, we believe there is a lot of force to petitioners' argument that there are some types of infringing conduct that are so unrelated to the act of selling a crop uh, that authority for the sale doesn't encompass authority to do the, the further act. As an example, under subsection 2 of section 2541, it violates an owner's rights to import or export seed. So we would say that it would violate subsection 2 for a farmer to export seed for sale to a farmer in another country, even though the sale was otherwise met the requirements of the proviso. Is that too remote from selling, whereas notice is not too remote? Why make us draw lines like that? Why well, say selling is selling and, and you're exempted from that, but all the other requirements continue to apply? I don't know why exportation is more remote than, than notice is. Well, the, the uh, exportation is indeed very remote from the act of selling. But what's subsection 6 and, and the notice? Why? I mean, you've got to sell to somewhere. If you sell abroad, it's, it's exportation. There, there is a, a lot of force to petitioner's argument that sale is one thing and providing notice is another. Uh, the reason that we ultimately, on balance, side with respondents on that point is just that subsection 6 doesn't just talk about giving notice. It talks about dispensing a novel variety. It contemplates that when the, the novel variety is dispensed in some form, including by sale, the selling farmer should provide notice to the purchasing farmer uh, that, that the seed is a protected type. But it's important in this connection to note that in the proviso itself, Congress required selling farmers uh, to comply with state laws governing the sale of crops, and many of those state laws go to labeling and providing certain information to the farmer in connection with the sale. We think that because Congress actually gave attention in the proviso itself to the information that purchasing farmers should have regarding the variety, if it had intended uh, purchasing farmers to have the further information that this, this seed is a protected variety, it would have spoken to that in the proviso itself. This applies to all state laws, not just state laws regarding notice. So your argument really, if carried to its conclusion, would say all state laws uh, are covered, but none of the, none of the things listed in, in, in uh, 2541 are covered. You may answer the question. It, it is true that it covers all state there laws. There was a question. Most of the state laws uh, governing the sale of seed have to do with the labeling in which, uh, on which the seed is, is, uh, is sold. Thank you, Mr. Seaman. Uh, Mr. Bordy, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, preliminary, preliminarily I'd like to note that the record establishes that the winter boars had no purpose in mind for their crops and they planted their crops. That uh, is in the deposition of uh, uh, 
Mr. Winterborn. I don't know what you mean by that. They had no purpose in mind? They had no purpose with respect to whether they would sell the seed later for reproductive or non-reproductive purposes. That purpose wasn't established until later when uh, market conditions at the time of harvest were revealed. I'd also like to um, correct a statement. Can can that be true? I mean, didn't didn't they produce enough seed so they couldn't have used it up in 20 or 30 years? And you can't save seed that long. Well, first of all, you can save seed uh, for years and years, not just one year, certainly for four or five years. Are you then Secondly, disagreeing? Are you then disagreeing? I, I, not knowing much about farming, we were told by one person that the soybean seed spoils in a year or so. That's incorrect. And you're saying it's, it saves, you can save it and still retain its quality for how long? That is correct. For how long? Four to five years. Four to five years? Yes, the only uh, effect is that German, germination rates deteriorate to some extent over time. Is it not true that the amount of seed they produced was far in excess of enough for a crop for four or five years, for four, far in excess of four or five crops? That is correct, Your Honor. Then is it not patent that they had a purpose in mind that they would sell some of it to their neighbors? No, Your Honor, because they could sell all of their harvest for consumption purposes. Now, the other point, I, I want to elaborate on that. I answer, because you say they did produce enough seed, they couldn't use it all for their own production, even in four or five years. And they didn't do it inadvertently, did they? I mean, Justice they didn't grow the amount inadvertently. Justice Stevens, that ties in with the interpretation now propounded of this text by Asgro. This was an interpretation that was not discerned and argued by Asgro before the Federal District Court or the Federal Circuit Panel. It wasn't discerned by nine of the ten amicus, amici that parties may be, below. And it may not be controlling, but I just, it, it is clear, it seems to me, that they must have contemplated selling some of their seed at the time they planted this crop. They contemplated selling their seed either for reproductive or non-reproductive purposes. Right. The point is this, and it's the point that was broached by Justice O'Connor. In the Monsanto brief below, which invented this interpretation, which is now adopted by ASGRO and presented before this court, there are two premises that are necessary as a matter of textual analysis. The first is that marketing has to equal selling, and the second is that crop has to be limited to the amount of seed to plant an ensuing crop. By way of an example, if a farmer plants one acre and harvests 45 bushels of soybeans, then under the recently found interpretation of this text by Asgro, it can save only one bushel. But what happens to the other 44 bushels? They said you could save any amount, but couldn't sell any amount for sexual multiplication purposes. Their analysis requires that the term saving be limited to one bushel. In fact, Your Honor, Monsanto in his brief makes this statement. If saved seed does equal harvested seed, then the right to save seed would be unlimited in scope as long as the farmer was selling to another farmer. That's admitted by Monsanto. argument was adopted. You, you, you can sell seed to make oil out of, can't you, for it to be consumed. That, that, that's Absolutely. not reproductive. Absolutely. And let's assume that, in our example, 45 bushels of soybean are harvested. Then the issue is how many can be sold? for reproductive purposes. And the statute tells us that. It tells us that so long as the primary farming occupation 
is the sale of the soybean for non-reproductive purposes. The farmer can sale can sell the uh, seed for growing purposes. Note, if Asgrove's new interpretation is correct, that phrase, that phrase for that test, whether what is the farmer's primary growing occupation, would be written entirely out of the act. Because under our example, only one bushel. Well, it now has been written out of the act. It has been now by Congress, prospectively only. Well, is, on, on your view, then, if, if a farmer made 51 percent of his income uh, from, from growing melons uh, and, and he devoted the, the remainder of his farm and, uh, to, to growing soybeans, he could, he could be in the brown bag business with 100 percent of his soybean crop because he would still be uh, predominantly in the business of, of getting, or his, the predominant source of his income would be that of farming rather than selling. Yes, we believe that the federal cert circuit correctly parts, parsed the statute, and it correctly interpreted the primary farming occupation be satisfied when a farmer sells the majority of his or her crop for non-reproductive purposes. And I'm, I'm uh, puzzled. I thought that you lost at least in part in the federal circuit because your view of this was as long as it's a farmer selling to another farmer, you're, you're home free, as long as most of what both buyer and seller do, uh, grow crops uh, to sell the product. But this, the Federal Circuit cut you back and, and said, what percent did they allow? Fifty percent. Or so you're not, you were arguing 100 percent. No, we were not, Your Honor. You weren't? No, Your Honor. What were you arguing? First of all, we had um, agreed for purposes of the appeal that the primary farming occupation of the winter borers uh, was test was satisfied. As we note in footnote three, the winter borers sold more than 50 percent of each of the protective varieties for non-reproductive purposes. Therefore, the winter borers have satisfied the primary farmer occupation test as laid down by the Federal Circuit. I, th I thought the, uh, correct me on this, I thought the Federal Circuit had, had made the primary farming occupation test specific to each crop. That is correct. Is that correct? All right. And I and was that your position from the beginning, so that you, you conceded even in the district court that you were in violation of the statute in part? It was never conceded. And it wasn't an issue before the appellate court because both parties stipulated that winter borers satisfied the primary farming occupation, and they do under the test now established by the Federal Circuit because the winter borers, with respect to each of the two varieties of seed, never sold for growing purposes more than 50 percent of the crop. So the Bode. sales of the Mr. winter borers are protected. Mr. Bode, according to the Federal I don't understand what you said uh, just before we got into this discussion, that under petitioner's interpretation, the limitation to primary farming occupation is irrelevant. Why, why is that so? Because under petitioner's interpretation, right. only the most trivial amount of seed could be sold for, reproduct for, for reproductive purposes. In our example, just one bushel. Therefore, there would never be an occasion to inquire whether the farmer, primary farming occupation test was satisfied, because in every instance, the farmer would have sold the majority of his or her crop for non-reproductive purposes. Their interpretation writes out of the act 
the primary farming occupation test. Only, only if, only if you apply that provision crop by crop rather than across the board. I think it, go, go ahead. Answer Justice Scalia's question. Justice, yes, Justice Scalia, regardless of whether the analysis is crop by crop, that provision is written out of the statute by the interpretation of uh, ASGRO, because you would never have an occasion to inquire what the primary farming occupation would be, because under the interpretation that they now press before this Court, you would only sell 145th. You only could sell 145th of your crop. Where is the term primary farming occupation found in the statute? Your Honor, it's found in the proviso in the first section. And it says provided without regard to section 2541, subsection 3, a farmer whose primary farming occupation is the growing of crops for non-reproductive purposes may sell to other farmers similarly situated for reproductive purposes. And how, how do we know who that is? Is it the farmer, when you look at the entire farm and see the whole production of the farm and ask how much is sold we, for reproductive purposes? Justice O'Connor, we accept the strict interpretation, the strict uh, reading of the primary farming occupation test by the Federal Circuit. That is, it's a test that's applied variety by variety based upon the majority of the sales made. Even under their reading, the, the, the definition would at least limit the class of eligible purchasers, though. You say it would be totally useless, that, but not, not as to define. That, that is correct. That is correct. Yes. But I'd like to, uh, I'm not sure that I have um, properly explained the crucial consequence of accepting that saved seed means the whole harvest. You see, under Asgrove's interpretation, they must conclude that saved seed means only the amount of seed to plant the next crop. Because otherwise, when, they, when the farmer later makes the election to sell to other farmers, assuming he's qualified to do that, unless saved seed means one bushel in our example, the, the, uh, Unless it means that, then the farmer would be able to sell the whole harvest, except to the extent that he would be bound by the primary farming occupation test. And that's admitted by Monsanto at page 10 in their brief, and that's the argument that now Asgro propounds before this court. It's interesting to note in the motion for summary judgment submitted by Asgro before the federal district court, they admit that saved seed encompasses the entire harvest. And that's at page 6 on their brief. And where do we get that result textually? By the phrase, or for sale as provided in this section. There are two sales provided in the section. In the first set sentence, there's the sale from farmer to farmer for reproductive purposes. And the second sentence, the sale for consumption. Those are the two sales provided by Congress. You've lost me. What are, what are the two sentences? You, you, you consider the proviso a separate, se- separate sentence? No, that's in the first sentence. Okay. So the first sentence provides for sales by farmers for reproductive purposes. Yes. And the second sentence 
provides a bona fide sale for other than reproductive purposes. That's the consumption. Mr. Bowles. So we can see that as a matter of textual analysis, save seed must include the whole harvest. Mr. Bode, the uh, Judge Newman called this an ungainly statute, and I suppose that's a proposition that everyone would agree with. And if we are of the mind that there's more than one plausible reading to this statute, your way is plausible, Asgore's way is plausible, the district court's way, how do we decide which is the one that Congress meant? Well, first of all, I would uh, disagree, Judge, uh, Justice Ginsburg, that Asgrove's um, interpretation is reasonable. I, I don't think it is. I think it's very, very Then let's just stay statement. with Judge Rader and Judge Newman. We I think, think both of the their interpretations are reasonable interpretations, interpretations that the words of this ungainly statute will bear. Then, then how do we decide? Justice Ginsburg, the unanimous Federal Circuit panel had a very straightforward and reasonable interpretation. And I think that's an interpretation that should commend itself to this Court. In that respect, I'd like to return to this. That doesn't answer my question if we think they're both reasonable. The Federal Circuit did divide six to five on whether to hear this end bank, did they not? I would suggest then that the, that this Court should defer to the Federal Circuit for other reasons. Among those reasons is. If, if we believe, to, to, to accept your position, must we say Judge Newman's interpretation is wrong? that there is a right interpretation of the statute, and it's your interpretation. I think you should defer to the Federal Circuit panel, Your Honor, because that is the interpretation that was understood by the farming industry for the last two decades. That's the interpretation that was issued by the director of the Plant Friday Protection Office. But if we should think that Judge Newman's interpretation is a plausible interpretation, then you say one thing we might take into account is what the farming community thought the statute meant. Anything else? Yes. I think the Court should consider that the balance between the rights of farmers and breeders struck by Congress appropriately, appropriately reflected a limiting, limited showing that an applicant must make to obtain a certificate. An applicant need not show that this new variety promotes agriculture science or the arts, or that it's novel, or that it's not obvious, or that it has utility even, the customary showings that have to be made for a patent. Rather, the most inconsequential change of a morphological aspect of a plant, such as the color or shape of its leaves, qualifies the applicant for a certificate. When we appreciate that, it's not unreasonable for Congress to have retained for Farmers are ancient right to sell seed to other farmers. Well, what do we do if we think that the Federal Circuit's definition of marketing was wrong, that it does include selling? I have two um, responses to that, Justice O'Connor. First, if you look at the text, the proviso at the — in the first phrase of the proviso says, without regard to 2541 subsection 3. So whatever bundle of activities comprise marketing, Congress accepted farmer-to-farmer -farmer sales from those infringing acts. But, but I suggest that the 
reading of the Federal Circuit is very um, reasonable. Do you think without, I don't understand your point. Don't you think without regard to, it means despite? Don't you think without regard to means despite? No, I don't. I think it means no. without regard to these infringing acts, sales can be made. That you can make sales, if you're qualified, to another farmer for growing purposes without encroaching any right established by 2541 subsection 3, and that's despite. marketing. That's despite. Despite 20. Right. Okay. But, but I think here's the, what the Federal Circuit did is very reasonable. The Federal Circuit interpreted that term marketing to mean coordinated and extended marketing activities. The separate use... Well, I just asked you, what if we disagree with that? And I, I have not heard an answer. It has no consequence. You can still uphold the Federal Circuit because whatever bundle of rights comprise marketing, farmers are accepted from them by the first phrase of the proviso in the section. That is, that without regard to those uh, infringing acts, a farmer can make yes, these sales. Assuming that the definition of, quote, such saved seed totally ignores uh, uh, 2541.3. Right, which I'm not sure it does. It, it does not. And that's why the interpretation of, of the Federal Circuit was reasonable. Coordinated activities by agribusinesses and wholesalers is prescribed, but not the limited marketing activities of farmers' incidental to farmer-to-farmer -farmer sales. For example, a farmer could put out a seed-for-sale sign on his property and entertain telephone inquiries about the nature of the CDS for sale. That might be a marketing activity, but it wouldn't be the concerted and extended activities. The use of middlemen that's prescribed under the Federal Circuit's opinion and under the Fifth Circuit's opinion in Delta Pine. Therefore, that's a way of, of um, rationalizing every phrase in the section, making every phrase operative, and it comports fully with the Federal Circuit's interpretation. Extended, coordinated selling activities involving the multiplication of seed for growing purposes <laughs> is prohibited. And a farmer can enter into contracts with farm cooperatives, and cotton gins, and wholesalers to multiply, to multiply seed for that purpose. But a farmer can engage in these incidental activities, this incidental selling activities, associated with selling seed to another farmer directly. Mr. Bode, you, you made an <laughs> argument a little earlier. I've been trying to figure it out. Uh, uh, based on the, the sentence, uh, I guess you say it's the second sentence, a bona fide sale for other than reproductive purposes made in channels. I think you said that under the petitioner's interpretation that becomes redundant. Was that your point? Well, why? That's our point. What happened? Why isn't it redundant under yours as well? I mean, it seems to me this is just a, an unnecessary uh, assertion in the statute that, uh, that so long as you don't expect it to be used for reproductive purposes, uh, you're not going to be held liable. But that, 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 would, that would apply to a sale of more than, uh, more than 50 percent by, uh, you know, <laughs> your interpretation as well, wouldn't it? We can see that wording is um, superfluous. And it's an artifact. Or anybody's interpretation. But, but really, really, you, you were saying that uh, the first limitation is controlled by such saved seed. And in this second sentence that Justice Scalia is now focusing on, they do not use the phrase such saved seed. That is correct. So the, so the equivalency you seek between the two sentences is absent. But it's provided by the phrase or for sale is provided herein. And 
in, in Petitioner's brief, they concede before the Federal District Court that saved seed encompasses seed sold under the second sentence. Well, it encompasses it, but it's not limited to it. That's the point. And that was the point you were trying to make, and I think the argument fails because of the absence of that phrase in the second sentence. We disagree again because of the specific phrase, or for sales provided in that section, but more broadly, because of this problem. This problem, uh, just, Justice Kennedy, the, what is the farmer to do with the other 44 bushels? Unless that farmer is exempted from those infringing acts in 2541, which is provided in the first sentence, there's very little he can do with it. So if the farmer is to sell seed under the second sentence, he he has to be relieved of many or most of the infringing acts. He can sell them for his soybeans. For soybean consumption. May I ask you one? And that's what most people do, for heaven's sakes. They grow soybeans to sell as crop. I mean, the brown bag thing is really kind of a smaller exception, isn't it, if you look overall? It is. uh, The winter boars operate on the fringe of the market. They're selling to farmers who are willing to buy seed that's perceived to be inferior. Generally, farmers aren't going to trust their livelihood to unproven seed without the imprimatur of a recognized seed company. What is the difference in the price? They're selling it as brown bag seed. What will they get for it? As opposed to they're selling it as soybean for non-reproductive use. The record here discloses that the winter boars received approximately $8.00. 50 cents for their soybeans, whereas Asgro was charging 15 to 16 dollars. But if they were selling it, if the winter boars were selling it to sell to animals or for human consumption, what would be the price they would Approximately five to six dollars a bag. So they get much more selling it as seed. They get essentially the um, amount which represents the labor added for the cleaning activity that's necessary prior to selling it for reproductive purposes. Justice Kennedy, if I might, if you look in that second sentence again, you'll see there's a notice provision. In other words, it, it, it springs into life a notice provision if sales are made outside of the bona fide um, um, charter. I, I might That's suggest to you that... by the authority language? Yeah, I might suggest to you that um, under the Asgro's interpretation, that phrase um, is superfluous. It certainly contradicts their interpretation. And it's consistent um, with our interpretation. What the, that, the phrase that, you're focusing on, obtained by authority? Yes, that there's a, it's in the last sentence. Uh, the uh, phrase that... Oh, the last sentence. It's the phrase that states... Um, a purchaser who diverts seed from such channels? Shall be deemed to have noticed. You see, that's consistent with our interpretation because there's no notice required... Why? Because the first sentence exempts that infringing act with respect to seed sold for reproductive purposes, seed sold in the second sentence. If that weren't so, then you would, uh, you would have no purpose for that last sentence. It would, it would, well, it would be meaningless. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that's so. I'll, I'll study that. But the, the third sentence could also apply to the first sentence, could it not? That's my point. The first sentence and the second sentence and the third sentence are all one unified section. There's no independent, separate crop exemption 
as Asgro suggests at page 5 of its brief, and therefore it's inapplicable in this case. Uh, thank you, Mr. Brody. Thank you very Jesus much. Jesus submitted.